All right, welcome to a new edition of Sounding Off on Soccer. This is John Krasinski, Pittsburgh Soccer. Now, uh, it has been a week, a day of developments here for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. And uh, who would have known it that uh, who would have known that Danny Griffin ha is returning back to Pittsburgh, the durable Ironman midfielder who played with the Hounds from 2020 through 2022, uh, led the club in appearances, minutes played, the, the holding central midfielder who was really a rock, steady player. And uh, in that two or three year period, I really grew as a player here in Pittsburgh as a professional in his first three years seasons as a professional and went on to this year did not sign back with the hounds but instead opted to look at maybe pathway to a higher level and we'll look forward to talking to danny at least officially i've talked to him a couple times since uh, he's been in when he was in huntsville fc uh, with the nashville fc uh, mls next pro club and Danny, you know, we talked about the experience was really great for him and he really enjoyed it. I uh, had the opportunity to train with Nashville SC, even talked about some conversations uh, we had with some mutual uh, people we knew, uh, particularly Taylor Washington, who once played in Pittsburgh. Uh, so I had a chance to talk to Danny a couple times during his stint away from the Riverhounds. But today the Riverhounds announced that uh, they signed him back. And not only that, the interesting thing is that the contract will last through 2025 so that's uh that's an enjoy the contract options for the hounds uh will last through 2025 and danny's words uh, at least through the press release and the hounds official statement was that he's absolutely buzzing right now to say i'm excited isn't enough to describe the feeling pittsburgh um it became a home to me after I made the move from Connecticut to Pittsburgh. And I know the coaches, uh, Bob Willie, Dan Visser, the owner of Tuffy Schallenberger, have always been supportive of me and my career, Griffin said. So he's ecstatic to be back in Pittsburgh. And he's been following the team while he was gone. And we know that because he's he came, we saw him a couple of times. Uh, and the second appearance uh, was at, we saw him in the suites after the Hounds defeated Maryland Bobcats FC in the Open Cup third round and the sec seeing him the second time at that point in the season you know i had begun to think about it whoa maybe it would be he is he might be um coming back this time i don't know but it just sort of left our thought because it was such a crazy busy week the hounds had to turn around and go play an indie and and that sort of thing so but yes danny griffin is back and and you know my takeaways in terms of what he brings what the impact is um, here's a guy who, it, it, by the way, in Huntsville, uh, in five matches, he did score a goal. He did some interesting things. He played uh, a little bit differently than he did in Pittsburgh. But um, as Bob Lilly said, every day he knows he can count on Danny Griffin to show up. Most likely uh, will find his way into central midfield. At times, there were times where he might play in the higher attacking midline. But most of the time, he was a defensive midfielder box to box, did a lot of things, did a lot of dirty work, uh, just a solid, solid player all the way around. And um, and that's really it. His durability and starting and playing in every match uh, was set a single season club record. Uh, so that, that um, like I said, uh, was interesting to note about Danny Griffin. 
So the impact of the Danny Griffin signing really, I think, for or return uh, is per transfer. So we don't know what, you know, what it costs the Hounds, what it costs owner Tucky Schallenberger. I'm sure it cost him something, you know, and and in terms of uh, cost. But the, the Hounds have shown even in the past that they were willing to, uh, you know, pay a transfer fee to, to bring a player in. They did that last year with Robbie Mertz in terms of bringing him back. And then uh, they've done that before as well. So, you know, with other players uh, or even in the um, Ekra Armstrong as another, Ezra Armstrong was another player actually where they, they sold, they transferred him to uh, St. Louis about a year and a half ago. So there's been some instances where the Hounds have been willing to do and work in the transfer situation, but but the addition of Danny Griffin to the fold, what that does really is it adds tremendous depth for the Hounds central midfield, which this season has already included a strong unit with Canardo Forbes, obviously the captain, the longtime USL championship mainstay, all-time leading assist man, uh, along with Robbie Mertz and Mark Ibarra, who's played a lot more this year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, that grouping when you add Danny Griffin to the mix. Uh, it gives Bob Lilly more tactical flexibility and ways that he can be he can use these different players. The one thing, the one area where the Hounds have struggled this season has been with clearly has been with possession, especially on the road. They've been less than forty percent the last five games. Less than forty percent the last five games. I mean, I think Bob wants to see more possession, even if it doesn't mean they're going to win the possession battle, but at least be able to keep the ball, make the other team work a little bit, um, you know, chase the game a little bit more uh, and give, you know, the Hounds have looked to try to be more dangerous in transition. Maybe if they only have it 35, 40% of the time, be more dangerous during those moments than the other team is. And when they're possessing it, 60, 65%. The one thing we do know about the Hounds this year is they are very solid defensively. They've shown that the back line has been superb. And uh, if you look at my, takeaways and player um, grades from the past match at Indy, you'll see, you know, the the work rate and the the effort of Arturo Odonez and um, Joe Farrell with the two center backs in that game, the, the amount of clearances, the amount of interceptions, but, and the amount of touches that they had, but the, the, the really what needs to happen is from the deep central midfield, they need to, they need to have more ability to create, um, Build up through the middle, use the width, and get those ball into the hands of, uh, into the feet on the feet of playmakers. That's really going to be the question for this club. Can, where are the playmakers at? Can they can they find support? Uh, have guys creating more opportunities deeper into the final third? And maybe by bringing Danny Griffin in, you can put Canardo Forbes in a higher higher spot on the attacking midfield line. It, it maybe gives. Robbie, Robbie Mertz a little bit more freedom to create. And, you know, Luke Biasi's, you know, been playing mostly outside right back, but he's been, he's been creating opportunities on the right side uh, crosses and obviously had the assists uh, the other day in Indianapolis. So again, adding Danny Griffin to the mix allows maybe some of these other players to move around. Uh, there was also the injury to Junior Etau this year, early in the season. And that's a guy that really essentially has brought in a veteran, 28 years old, been around the league to replace Griffin. And with that broken arm and that situation, we're not sure how far along he is with his recovery. 
Danny Rivera has also been injured too. So the Hounds, you know, the depth that is needed, but bringing in a, somebody you can rely on from match to match, durable, uh, will give you the minutes, will be the box-to-box work, box-to-box worker. Yeah, I'm tongue-tied there. That Danny Griffin is, I think that gives the Riverhounds some uh, advantage, uh, at least more depth and be able to. There's other players, uh, Trevor's Wetzlute, who was also brought on kind of to work into that holding midfield role as well. What happens to his playing time? Where does Mark Ibarra go? So Bob is going to be constantly tweaking and moving things around with the lineup. I'm sure all of these players will have different roles with the team moving forward. But Danny Griffin, I don't expect him to start the first game back. Uh, Monterey Bay, I doubt it, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I'm sure his fitness level is very good. So that's not a question. Uh, But he will definitely be part of the mix uh, for sure. So, um, all right. So the Riverhounds are right now a very unique record, uh, if you will. There are two wins, two losses, and four draws in league play. That puts them at 10 points, I believe. And with that 10 points, they're sitting in the middle of the pack, but they're a little bit above the fray in fourth place. And they continue to play a lot of games on the road. So, again, this coming week they'll be in monterey bay california It'll be the first ever trip way out there i'm real excited to share too that i will be talking with a couple monterey bay players that we may know uh, so look out for that in the coming days on pittsburgh soccer now as we lead up to the uh the match against monterey bay so i'm sure you could probably guess uh a while guess who that might be <clears throat> excuse me maybe alex dixon maybe hugh roberts so two former riverhounds now uh really leading the way for Monterey Bay. Uh, so the Hounds are uh, a very important part of the season, uh, if you will, in terms of surviving all these road games. And uh, let's see what happens, you know, and uh, see what they can come out of another road trip. So it'll be Monterey Bay, and then they have the Open Cup match against New England. Uh, and then that's... that's then they'll finally return home with a huge match against Birmingham. It's been really one of the top teams in the, you know, the team they played in the playoffs last year. They they drew in the opener. So that's what's ahead for the Riverhounds. And then after the Birmingham match, they're going to be at home for quite a while. But before we t- look ahead, let's uh, take one more look back at the Indy match. I'm bringing on now Dan Angel, uh, who helps us Pittsburgh soccer now, Midwest contributor. And I'm curious to know his thoughts on, how the Hounds looked and kind of what we learned from that match against Indy. Of course, that was a 1-1 draw. The Hounds got the early strike from Dequa, but then later in the match, Jack Blake got the equalizer on an unfortunate play of sorts for the Hounds. All right, we have Dan Angel with us here on Sounding Off on Soccer. Dan, our Midwest contributor for all things Pittsburgh soccer and, of course, for Pittsburgh sports now. Dan, uh, great to have you here. Great to have your contributions again this past weekend and as always uh riverhounds coverage in the midwest Uh, happy to help yeah so what was the uh let's talk about the indie match and then we could have some fun with the the red card jinx and (laughs) but yeah this match what did we learn from this match i I know you you're following indie uh closer than we are here and we knew they were kind of they're kind of like a sleeping giant potentially with all the talent that they have they mm-hmm. haven't quite awakened, but maybe this during this Riverhounds match, they did awaken a little bit. And it's a long season, so I'm sure they have some faith. But but 
what was what what did you learn from this match between the Hounds and Indy Eleven? Well, I mean, it really feels like Pittsburgh left two points on the table. I mean, getting one point out of this match was not what Pittsburgh deserved, despite um, what Indy might have felt after that match, because for 75 minutes, it really didn't look like Indy was going to mount much of a threat at all. It looked like 11 was just devoid of ideas, and then one bounce comes in the wrong situation, Blake buries it, and suddenly you've got a tied match. And really, that's kind of on Pittsburgh for not taking advantage of the situation. Bob Lilly was not too pleased with how the attack just seemed to slack off after the first goal. It seemed like everybody was looking for Dequa to do something, and when it didn't happen, there wasn't anyone there ready to step up as the second option and really punish Indy for some mistakes that really should have been cashed in for at least something. So this one really feels like Pittsburgh lost it. Um, Not quite lost because they still did at least get a, po- a point on the road, but it feels like Pittsburgh missed an opportunity here more than Indy took control. Yeah. You've covered the hounds the last couple of years where they had Russell Cicerone and Alex Dixon at the top of the attack. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Albert Deke has been the state mainstay too during those years, but the, the, do you notice the difference, you know, without those playmakers, especially Alex Dixon, what he brought to the team the last couple of years? It feels like they're missing something along those lines. Yeah, it really does. I mean, um, Cicerone especially has been really strong against Indy when I've seen them out here the last couple of years. I think he scored them in both the last two years. And it really just seems like Pittsburgh is just waiting around too much for somebody to do something in that can work when you've got somebody who is that talented and you know that you get them the ball and good things are going to going to happen. But the rest of the team still needs to put themselves in position for a rebound or for a lucky bounce or something like that. And it really seemed like the plan was feed Dequa and okay, that's the job. That's it. Just see what happens. And that's all there is to it. And that's not going to work against Indy or against the better teams in the Eastern Conference. So the Hounds have really got to get out of that dependency. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the funny thing about Indy, though, they, I mean, they, they, the talent that they brought into this, into the fold, I mean, Solomon, Asante, Eddie, um, mm-hmm. these are guys that have been around, have scored together, combined over 100 goals in the championship, for over 120 goals, I think, in the championship they were expected to do big things and to combine, they've only scored a goal each, I believe. Yeah. And, so, and I thought the hounds defensively from that standpoint, they did a great job. They're they great. I thought you know, in terms of limiting chances, things like that. I mean, there was that second half push from Indy, but if you don't have the ball enough, and I think one of the reasons why Bob, Bob Lilly and the hounds were real excited to bring Danny Griffin back into the fold because I thought in the last couple of years, one thing the Hounds did pretty well was keep the ball in games like when they played at Indy enough that when they were playing down a man, you know, in both of those matches, they they had enough possession and they were able to yeah, to, yeah keep it uh, in, in this, not in this last match, especially in the second half. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like Pittsburgh kind of decided around the hour mark, okay, we have the one goal lead. That's going to be enough on this night. Um, we just need to defend for 30 minutes, get out of here 1-0, and take the three points and call it a night. And 
even though Indy took a good amount of time from that point to actually get some attacks going, 11 never really stopped pushing. So Pittsburgh really just didn't seem to have that killer mentality to go out and finish the game, get that second goal, and really put Indy to the sword there. It seemed like they were kind of just content to trust the defense, and that would have worked if the ball had bounced the way that everybody expected it to, but we know far too well that one bad bounce can really change everything, and that's exactly what happened. If the ball gets punched out to a completely different spot, if it lands anywhere except at Jack Blake's foot, Pittsburgh gets out of Indy with three points, but it didn't happen, and it's one point instead of three. Yeah, that – and. Jack Blake has been a actually been probably one of the bright spots for Indy this year. In fact, I believe he played a, the full Open Cup match, and then one of right. the he didn't play, it didn't start. So you know, who knows? Maybe it's a different game when he plays a full ninety. Because uh, I I thought once he stepped foot on the pitch, he was probably one of the best players in the players. It was. I'm gonna have to watch out for it when they play again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Robbie Dambrot was also out there for the Hounds, and he's, you know, former Hound again, another former Hound, the guy who, uh, you know, once it didn't get a lot of playing time in Pittsburgh last year, it kind of fell out of favor, and Mm -hmm. the Hounds, uh, you know, kind of worked out a deal, I guess, with Indy, where he ended up signing with Indy after he was let go here and uh, released from his contract, and he's been playing a lot for Indy, and I I thought he, you know, he was, he did pretty well for himself. He's a left left-sided uh, field player, whether he's on the wing or an outside back. And I thought he did pretty well the other night. Yeah, well, he he was the one who delivered the ball that put um, that created that situation that allowed Blake to finish things off. So, yeah, he came up big for Indy when they really needed something. So, Dan, what what are your thoughts? You, you had a chance to talk to Bob after and the players. And was the, what was the feeling uh, among the, the group in terms of, did they really feel like, I mean, I listened to those interviews. It was a lot of, it seemed like, like, okay, just trying to be optimistic, especially mm-hmm. there. But, uh, but I think did they, did it really feel like they let go of three, two points or it's just so early in the season. They're, they're still diplomatic. I know Bob had them on the field for a while too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is, is the Lily lecture on something that you guys have trademarked yet? Absolutely. Yes. We, yeah. we, uh, we see that often, uh, especially yeah. in home games when they don't play well. And he so he has them on the field. I've had reporters at other locations where it was just it went pretty late. And, it's, you know, yeah. It, yeah. Like, yeah. On, honestly, with um, like and that that was one of his shorter ones. But for some for some of those, I mean, it felt like I could have caught could have um, called St. Elmo's and gotten a shrimp cocktail to the press box faster. Yeah, right. But right. Yeah, we have to watch it, monitor. We have to watch it closely. Like, okay, how how long do we think he's going to be? You know, we're just kind of constantly monitoring yeah. because then, yeah, it, it depends. Hey, I've got to get a story written. I've got to mm-hmm. uh, share this, but but then it also gives you that flexibility. Like, oh, as a writer, like, oh, maybe I can get a couple things done before he's exactly before exactly he's grab a bite. But that's that's all those things go are factors, aren't they? Yeah, but yeah, as far as far as on the field after the match. It seemed like Pittsburgh knew they let two points get away. It seemed like they were pleased that they at least got something out of the match, but because of the way the match unfolded, they were pretty disappointed that they were only taking one point. I think if you had told Bob at the start of the match that 
they would get a point out of it. He would have been fine with it. But when you lead for almost 80 minutes there, you really need to close that out. So you've seen Hounds teams now in recent years. What what are your thoughts on this team overall? I mean, it seems like the defense is really solid, but they've got to get that attack going. They've got to figure out that final third. If they they get a couple um, secondary options who can push forward, be that guy that can clean things up if Dequa gets in a good position and can create on that opportunity with the second ball, they're going to be in really good shape. They have the strong back line that you really need to turn tough nights into at least getting a draw, but they've got to get some more goals on the board and they've especially got to do some more scoring on the road in scoring one goal or no goals in road matches repeatedly is just not going to cut it. So uh, those who are listening probably are, are sick of me talking about this and you and I going back and forth about it. But I'll pick <laughs> up one more time. The red red card jinx is officially over. Yeah. Jones did not. Uh, they had picked up a couple of yellows. In, Cla- in fact, Langston uh, Blackstock, who doesn't start a lot, got a yellow. Yeah. I, think that was- I, really, I really thought when he got that yellow, here we go again. Yeah. And, but interesting, that was the one guy, probably the most inexperienced player. Bob took him out at half. Bob doesn't, you know, most coaches don't usually sub at the half. And so there's mm-hmm. that. And, and so we saw that, uh, you know, you've, you've seen them all. The Hounds actually, and Pitt, we count Pitt into this equation because you were covering the Pitt-Kentucky game in the red card. I mean, it even happened while I was covering Philadelphia, which I don't even know how that works. You're right. And, and, and it just it happened that the Hounds got the two red cards. There yeah. was, it was just a reminder that, but, you know, maybe that was it. Maybe that was the final straw. of And and the Hounds are now paying close attention to when you are covering the game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that streak is over. Uh, maybe some other streaks will start. Uh, wins on the road or when they play at Indy or Louisville. Um, it, it's, as, long, as long as Union Berlin's streak of winning at home doesn't end, I'm good. Well, and, and there's there's a chance I may be in Louisville for that next one, and and we bring you out too. We we can have a double, you know, if you can make it too, um, we could do some some extra coverage. Uh, they are playing in in July, and the Hounds in Louisville City will play very close home and away series in the middle, basically heart right in the middle of the season. So a good test at that time. It's just a it's it really is a, a marathon, isn't it, Dan? These oh, absolutely. I mean. In a league like this, where you play these you play these matches some um, across the country, and this nation is huge, unlike across the pond where you're playing everybody, but the travel is so compact that it's only four or five hours at most. Whereas here, you can sometimes go four hours on a plane before you're playing a match. So yeah, this league is an absolute marathon. It's a it's a total grind and. The teams that are left standing at the end are the ones who are mentally the strongest most often, not ne- not necessarily the teams that are the most talented or the strongest physically, but the teams mentally that can get through the grind and get through those tough matches. I think that's a great point, and the Hounds are going to be mentally tested this weekend. They'll have to go to, can you believe, Northern California playing Monterey Bay, and then they have to travel to New England for an Open Cup against the Revolution on Tuesday a very good revolution team this year. And then mm-hmm. they come home for a bunch of games and that's much needed. This seven of the first nine have been on the road in the league. Right. Uh, right. 
there was such a desire to get that home MLS hosting match and it didn't happen, at least for this round of the Open Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, it seemed that, look, I mean, I don't know if you noticed or thought you saw tired legs the other night, but I, I think there's maybe they did leave a little bit in the tank. I, th- I think you might be right. And also, it's that's kind of um, funny how in the scheduled discussion, we see some of the best and the worst of American soccer intelligence there. Because, I mean, here you've got going out to Monterey Bay and then coming right back to play a U.S. Open Cup match. And the U.S. Open Cup is designed, it's supposed to be designed for regional matchups so that travel like this doesn't happen. I mean, in a situation like this, they should have known that this was a possibility with the U.S. Open Cup and scheduled that trip to Monterey Bay for later in the season, especially because they have to go out to Oakland later. Like, why not play both of those matches on the same trip instead right. of this ridiculous the schedule? The only thing or, I think that they were proactive about was that they scheduled this match on a Friday versus a Saturday. Sure. And that maybe that extra day will help them. Yeah, that, that does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Or Or failing that... I mean, break break the geography for a bit and have the Hounds play um San Jose or whoever from the West um in MLS is still alive in the Open Cup, like minimize the travel that way. Right, they could have. That's an interesting thing. They could have put. That's an interesting. They could have put them in that pool, right? Yeah. Um, wow, I didn't even think about that. Let's uh, look at the uh, schedule, the league schedule, and, and pair it up that way. But. Mm-hmm. Then they would have had a couple of days on the West Coast, and they they would have, they would have, but still, I mean, it's but, easier to play back to back. Yeah, but Monterey Bay ruined that because San Jose they beat San, I believe they beat San Jose. Of, of course, well, I mean, you, I mean, you could have had to had them play like Seattle or somebody else on the West. Right. Wow. But well, and, hey, and then uh, then on the other on the other end of the spectrum, you mentioned that Louisville match. That that match in Louisville is the day after the MLB All Star Game, and I have never understood why MLS doesn't have everybody play that day and maximize that day on the sporting calendar. Like Absolutely. nobody else is playing in um in American sports. Get everybody's eyes on soccer. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a dead dead day in the calendar as sports mm-hmm. calendar. Sure, uh, great point. Um, all right, Dan. Well, I appreciate your time, your energy supporting, uh, doing work for our sites, and uh, we will continue to work with you. Uh, and I appreciate everything you, you've done. Um, great write up and great, you know, recaps and getting the getting the interviews. Um, so, like I said, hopefully we'll see you in Louisville. Uh, we'll, we'll you and I will talk about that off the grid, but yeah. Uh, but for sure, and then who knows what happens with the the mighty Pitt Panthers and with the return. Uh, to the fold this year and uh, I'm sure there's Louisville matches and there's, you know, some other things we may, we may be looking at down the road. Right. Right. right, Always happy to help. All right. Thanks for joining me on sounding off on soccer. And once again, uh, have a great night and we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks.